Welcome back to another episode of DGM Starter. I'm here today with my older brother, Robert Harper, who is an area manager at N-Express, where he helps companies with their shipping all over the world. And he also has a side gig as a sales coach uh, with his coaching company, Better Conversations. And he's been doing that for four or five years now. So uh, welcome, Bob, to the show. How are you doing tonight? Good, Dale. How are you, man? Life is good. So... (laughs) Uh, so for this show, we talk a lot about the beginning stages of startups, okay. and and as I've been researching this, I've been realizing that even if you're just starting an e-commerce brand, uh, going through the validation process, even though you're, like you're not necessarily closing anyone, having to hop on sales calls, you need to develop these sales skills. Um, and so that's why I thought it would be really valuable to bring you on the show and kind of talk through the value of sales skills and how someone like me, who I'm not a natural salesperson at all, how I can become a better salesperson uh, through practice and how I can kind of find that motivation, even though that's not my main job. So uh, just to start off, uh, kind of how did you get into selling and and um, yeah, how did you start that and find decided that to be a profession for you honestly i mean i started selling the way probably most salespeople do which is by accident (laughs) and uh, basically i i needed uh, better income and i was a young well to be honest my first sales job was before i was married but that was a summer sales gig I had a really terrible experience doing that. And um, so that's technically the start of my sales career. But I vowed to never get another sales job again after that until I was newly married with a pregnant wife. And I wasn't able to find any other job offers or jobs available to me. I, I didn't have a degree. I still don't. And... I needed to make better income. So the only jobs that really promised that were sales jobs with my level of experience and credentials, which were basically nothing. Uh, And as you were getting started, like you had some sales experience, as you mentioned. Um, I feel like most people are kind of tentative into sales. It's not most people's favorite thing. How did you start off? Like, uh, did you find out that you liked it or was it just really tough and you just had to go through it and learn to love it like what was your initial relationship with sales my initial relationship was that it seemed it it almost seemed like magic to me meaning it seemed unpredictable you know i i i didn't know how to predict when a customer or a potential customer would buy and when they wouldn't I, w- I had no idea i didn't even believe it was possible to predict it to be honest you know the sales reps that seemed to be more successful uh, versus me when i first got started which you know as most people most people aren't born sellers i'm not sure i've met anyone that is and so you know i was new at it and i i was terrible you know it was absolutely awful and the guys that were getting more sales, you know, 
to me, to be honest, my first few jobs, it, it wasn't the same guys every month. It wasn't like we had sales leaders at those companies that were consistent. It seemed like everyone was up and down. And I knew that there had to be some level of skill to it and I needed to develop those skills, but I, um, I mostly believed that it was sort of, you were either good at it or you weren't. And regardless, it was somewhat unpredictable and, you know, it didn't, didn't necessarily like projections and, uh, you know, and that sort of thing were, were, were not realistic. And I also kind of felt like my income was unpredictable. Like there was no way to really plan on how much I could, I was going to make, I was going to either have a good month or a bad month. And there was no way to really know. And, and just kind of continue on with the story. Like, obviously you're still a salesman today. You've been in sales. Uh, I don't know if it's been ever since then, but almost ever since then, yeah, that that's a tough lifestyle. If if it stayed that way, where it's just unpredictable, you never know. You hope you have good money, but you don't. Um, and and so what what did you do in order to like change your mindset and realize that you had more control over selling than you initially thought that it was that it was something that you could actually uh, that you had the control over rather than just hoping someone said yes. Yeah. Well. For me, it happened um, when I was at a company called PC Care Support. Hopefully, they won't mind me, uh, you know, shouting them out. They're they're not really a company anymore, from what I understand. But um, it was basically a Geek Squad type of service where you'd you'd pay for a subscription every month, and if you had computer issues, you know, we'd help you out. And so I was doing horrible at this job. I was doing just just terrible and at this time i didn't really feel any personal responsibility for my bad numbers i felt anxious about it because i knew that i probably was going to get fired pretty soon but i didn't really feel accountable because i just sort of to me training was the responsibility of the the company the the employer that they were responsible for training me and I didn't really do anything at all to to train myself and also to further make a bad mindset with it I kind of saw this as a temporary job uh, and and I was always at this time you know looking for the next business opportunity to skyrocket me into success and I just was kind of doing sales to pay the bills in the meantime so I didn't have a lot of commitment either but I remember one day I knew that I was going to get fired really soon I wasn't bringing in the numbers my supervisor had talked to me multiple times about it and had tried to give me different scripts and teach me how to say it and I really was just spending all my time using their scripts trying to say it exactly like they said it and it just wasn't working for me and I really tried I mean I tried to do it exactly like they trained me to because in my mind if the company is telling you how to do it, then that's how you do it. But the way they wanted me to do it, I'm not going to say it was unethical, but it, it definitely was not. I didn't feel comfortable with it. Maybe if I was a different personality or if I was more of a like type A personality, maybe it would have been fine. But 
it, it didn't it didn't feel right the way I was communicating. And maybe I was mostly just because it wasn't my style. But I remember this one day something clicked in my head or it didn't really click. It was just I realized I was going to get fired and I was just agonizing over the day. I, you know, I hated my job. I was not interested in taking these calls and trying to convince these people with this weird script that didn't feel right to me. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to get fired anyways, then I'm going to enjoy my day and I'm just going to talk to people about the product like they're just a, a normal person. I'm not going to try to like sell them or anything. I'm just going to talk to them. And so that's how I did all my calls that day. And I don't remember how many sales I made, but I made, you know, multiple sales and it was like blowing my mind, you know? And I was like, what is happening? You know, this isn't, this is so weird. And that's kind of when I first got the inkling that, uh, that maybe my communication style wasn't the same as the, the way they were training me and that maybe I did have the ability to get better at this and to do it my own way. And, um, and that's kind of what started me on trying to get better at it. And, and I eventually became one of the top producers at that company in a way that felt authentic and aligned with my personal values, which honestly is the only way you can really sell. That's interesting because I know like the public perception uh, of like sales and, and marketing is never trust them. Like, like they're always trying to cheat you. And the way that you found it was doing the exact opposite, just trying to make sure the per like you had a personal connection with that person. And if it, uh, if it like worked for them, then great. If it didn't, then at this point, like when you were experimenting with that, it, it kind of felt like, oh, oh, well, I, I, at least I enjoyed the conversation. And I'm sure uh, that mindset probably changed as you tried to improve upon that. Because that's, but it's, it's like something experimental. Yeah. Um, but, but like tying, so like taking from what you learned, you and bringing it back to entrepreneurship you were one of the first people that recommended, actually, you were the first person that recommended uh, Nail It Then Scale It, uh, which I've talked about a couple times on this channel and it's been brought up in a couple interviews. And as I've been reading Nail It Then Scale It and, and kind of studying the process, trying to understand it, um, and, and so for those who don't know, the basic process is you have your idea and you like the reason startups are riskier is you don't know if people will buy the idea and you don't know like what, how you need to implement it in order to buy it. So it takes like a scientific approach where you have a hypothesis and you have to have these discussions with people to validate this idea to see if they'll spend money on it. And as I've been listening, and to kind of go back to my story with you, we tried to start a digital marketing agency a year or two ago. And... And I had to do a lot of sales for that. So you were coaching me through sales. I learned some sales there. I, I'm i not very good, but at least I have. I learned some skills from that. And as I was listening to Nail It and Scale It, I was realizing what you were telling me was a lot of the same principles of what he was saying you need to do while you're validating this process, this project, like this product or idea or whatever. 
And that made me realize like, okay, if I want to be an entrepreneur, I need to understand, I need to understand, understand sales and be comfortable enough with it that I can control that conversation and get the information that I need to out of it. Um, and so that's, that's like going back to the beginning. That's why I want more entrepreneurs to understand, understand sales. Cause I know I'm the mindset where I'd rather avoid sales at all costs. And so you have this, um, side business of where you're a sales coach when you're bringing someone in like now under like knowing your background when you bring someone in and try to help them become a better salesperson and coach them through this what what is your basic approach in taking this and 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 then we can get to some advice that you could give after you talk about your approach as far as my approach to helping a new client improve their sales yes well Probably the number one thing that I do. Well, first, I it it's totally tailored to each client because everyone is different. Everyone's business is different, and their communication style is different. So uh, the tactics aren't so important as the principles. And and so I do teach tactics, but that's very customized. But the first thing I do, and the thing that almost universally people have a problem with, is their sales process. And that's not a very sexy topic to teach someone. In fact, people kind of get frustrated a lot at first when that's where I want to start. Because they want to learn what to say, how to say it. You know, they want to learn how to overcome objections. When someone says this, how do I get around that? And first of all, that's just not the best way to think about sales in general and about selling. But secondly, the problem isn't so much what you say or how you say it. Those are really critical. But what you say and how you say it will be guided a lot by your purpose in each conversation. And most salespeople, most business owners, most most anyone who's trying to persuade or get their way in something, they don't have a clear understanding of the different steps that they need to go through to get to their end result that they're looking for. And they also don't understand where they are at in that process and what the next step the, you know, the next objective should be right. Um, and, and a lot of that is understanding the person that you're talking to, because the only reason that there's a sales process necessary is because you haven't figured out how to align what you would like to happen with what the person you're talking to would like to happen, right? And if if those were perfectly aligned from the first conversation, there would be no process necessary. You know, you could simply walk into a room and say, what are you looking to have happen? Oh yeah, me too, great, let's do it. Or nope, that's not what I'm looking for. And that would be the entire sales process, right? But because 
we don't know exactly what that person is is hoping for and it's not a straightforward it's not always super straightforward to get people to spill their guts about that because they're a little guarded usually and honestly salespeople are typically guarded as well so a sales process helps really filter out all the unimportant stuff and help you understand what the purpose of your conversation is and and it takes several steps before you're actually at the at the conversation or at the point in the conversation where you can say yeah the next step is to write up this sale you know and close it and get this billing information or whatever like so it, it's a process and people don't understand that process and and so like basically to sum up the sales process uh I, I feel like everything I do, like I translate it into marketing terms. Um, but it's essentially your your funnel, right? Where you say, okay, this is my first touch point with them. And you need to define, I have this conversation. What do I need out of this conversation? And that way you understand that purpose of just that conversation. And then you know you need to have another call or whatever the next touch point is. And just every time you talk to them, you have a clearly defined goal and you mm-hmm. need to find out this one like one or two, like a handful of things that you can qualify them for like the first touch point saying okay is this worth another call or is it this won't work for them mm-hmm. um and so taking that in mind um what uh, like is is there anything like you said that's the main problem and you talked about like what you say is important if if you're giving like one main tip to someone who is starting a business they don't have sales experience they don't consider themselves a salesperson but they're in this position that they need to sell um is is your first piece of advice then i guess i'm putting words in your mouth i shouldn't do that but like it's your first piece of advice like to set up that sales process uh, so that you have that goal to the com- for the conversation and like how would that look different or would it look different at all for someone who's let's say trying to validate a product to a potential customer versus trying to sell an already validated product that is already launched uh it's it's probably a little different but very similar i mean it's got to be similar because For example, the first conversation I have with someone, my first objective is to find out, you know, is it even worth booking a first appointment with them? And then everyone's sales process is going to be a little different. The the basic steps are going to be similar, but there's products where you frequently will close on the first conversation. And you'll go through the entire sales process in one conversation. And sometimes in my business, for example, it's usually over the course of several appointments before I close someone, right? So it just depends. But in my case, with my shipping company, you know, my first objective is to find out, is this even worth an appointment, you know? And usually I can do that within a couple minutes. That's pretty quick, you know? So it's just get their attention, find out is it even worth uh, a second conversation and then 
if they can't have that conversation right away, if it is worth it, then schedule that out. So that's my, my next objective. Schedule a time to meet with them. If it can't be right now, let's find another time. But it's either now or another time. And that's my objective. It's not doesn't mean I always get that objective like I want it. Sometimes even though I think there could be potential, they're not they're not interested for whatever reason in, in seeing me or talking to me. So but that's the objective. And think about how your mindset is. You know, if you're trying to validate a product or if you're trying to close someone or 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 if you're having a first conversation with a potential prospect, potential customer, um the mindset is discovery, right? So even if you you don't have a script, you don't know what to say, how to say it, or anything like that, but you know that your goal is to go in and talk to this person and find out X, Y, and Z specific things about their company, right? Well, you're going to naturally know, have an idea of what to say, and you're probably not going to come with the up with the best, absolute best thing the first try, but you'll be on the right track and you'll be way closer understanding your purpose of that conversation rather than, you know, just going in there thinking, okay, how do I get this guy to buy my product? Or how do I get this guy to answer a survey or to test out my product to validate it or whatever you want to try to, you're, you're, you're in a, a discovery mode. You're curious. That's the main attribute, the main mindset and your objective aligns with that. Cool. Yeah, I I think that makes sense and I think it it kind of demystifies a lot of sales. Um because uh, especially when it comes to like like the side of things that I'm trying to focus more on with this channel where you're talking about products and you're not necessarily even trying to close something initially where you just have that curious mindset. Um and then eventually if you have that conversation you're ready to launch you'll need to close eventually. Um, and so it's kind of a much longer funnel because you're creating the product that they want um, throughout that sales process. But um, I actually haven't, I, I didn't connect the sales process to Nail It and Scale until just now and that it's kind of fitting together. But, and you talked about the initial thing that you talk about a sales process and that's not the sexy thing to talk about that's not what people want to talk about um i'm thinking now we can talk a little bit about that sexy part obviously this is a half hour podcast so we can't dig deep into anything but maybe touch on some things that people can look up and practice on their own uh like one personal question that i had for you and i'm hoping this applies to other people if I'm having, if I'm seeing this in myself, I'm guessing it applies to others as well. But a lot of times, like you talked about people saying like what they say is tough. They're trying to figure out how to say it. And I've noticed that a lot of times in my head, I come into a conversation like this with, with maybe a client or, or someone of that nature. And I kind of, I'm have a tough time putting myself on their level where I'm trying to figure out, okay, here's, here's what they understand about it. Even though I understand a lot more and I'm trying to like gauge what they understand, but also like say it in a way that they're happy with it. Like for example, um, he, here's like a bad example from my part. Maybe you can, 
you can coach me through it and give me some some tips on how to work this out. Uh, like, so I'm I write Facebook ads at work. I wrote this ad that I thought was awesome for this client. They they returned it, said they didn't like it, and wrote their new copy. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, so and I didn't like their new copy. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm saying, okay. Um, I'm trying to explain to them, okay, here's why you don't want to say this because your customers will think this. And then, and so I gave them too much feedback and, and they weren't happy about it. They, they felt like I was trying to like insult them, I guess, when that wasn't my intent at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess this is a lot to unpackage, but <laughs> what's your, <laughs> so if, if I can summarize this question down to just one thing, what are some tips or advice that you have for people? who are are trying to relate to someone with that what like they know their purpose of this conversation but they're trying to get those answers and and connect with that person on a personal level um yeah mm-hmm. i guess i'll leave it at that and let you let you take that yeah well, that's a great example and i think you know for the listeners out there that if you've listened this far, you know, and you don't think that you're a salesperson, I, I'd be surprised, you know, but, <laughs> or if you don't think that sales skills would help you in any way, but if you, that example is perfect because it's not what you would think of as a sales situation, but it is absolutely a situation where you would like to have influence over someone else. Right. And for their benefit, right. You're, you're not trying to do anything sneaky or any, like you you're saying, listen, I think this ad copy is going to be better for you and, and and give you better results. And that's what I'd like you to get. But it's not your typical sales scenario. And so I think that's just, that's probably a key point right there. Just realize that you, you have many opportunities and I would say even many situations where you're responsible for persuasion of some kind anytime we're interacting with people almost any conversation is is a persuasion conversation you know someone's persuading somebody so you know focusing on negotiating and sales skills are are incredibly important now for this specific example you know yeah i mean we could really dig into it and try to figure out the best way to go about it the short answer is there's a book called Never split the difference by Chris Voss. Read it. Uh, that <laughs> that is like that is absolutely going to answer a lot of questions and help guide you through all sorts of situations. It's a negotiation book, but it's literally helped me in my conversations with my wife, my kids, my customers, my sales conversations, uh, everything. So it's I would highly recommend picking that book up. But to give you somewhat of a practical uh, answer right now, it's that no one really cares what you think. You know, you could be right, you could be wrong, but they're going to keep their opinion. I mean, there's that saying, uh, how does it go? You know, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So even if you, quote unquote, win, if you had won that argument, right, not argument, but if you'd won that and they're like, okay, go with your ad, 
they're likely still feeling upset inside and they're feeling frustrated and they might even start looking for a new marketing solution, new company to work with. Cause they're like, God, I just, that guy annoys me. I don't like him. He disrespected me and you never knew it because maybe he didn't or they, whoever it was, didn't, uh, you know, didn't say anything to you. And that happens a lot. So the principle to think about here is, you know, how can you make them feel heard, them feel uh, validated, and and then kind of almost have them have the idea to do something different, right? And in your specific example, it could go, uh, you know, to come up with a way to do that, we would have to go into so much more detail, but to give a, a simpler a simpler, you know, example. So I didn't think this up on my own. I don't remember where I saw this, but you know, as a, as a, as a married man, I don't know if you've had this experience, Dale, but oftentimes when, when I'm going to, when my wife and I are going to go out to eat somewhere on a date, I'll always say, well, where do you want to go? And she'll always say, it doesn't matter. And then I'll say, okay, well, let's go to Chili's. And she'll say, eh, I'm not feeling Chili's. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to Applebee's or whatever, right? Eh, let's go to the sushi place. No, nah, I'm not feeling sushi. Okay, well, where do you want to go? It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a frustrating situation for me, you know? Um, and I received this tip, and it was simply to say, hey, honey, where do you think I'm taking you tonight? <laughs> and she says whatever she says oh i think maybe that new mexican place we saw that popped up is that where you're taking me yep you guessed it that's where i'm taking <laughs> you <laughs> and i used it and it actually worked and and uh that's kind of a funny thing but the point is it's it's a situation where she feels important if i'm saying where do you want to go tonight it almost feels like i don't care right you know what I mean? Um, and the same when you're interacting with anybody. If if someone has a different opinion than you and they say, listen, I like my ad copy better. Maybe your response like, and this is something that really it's best over the phone or in person, right? Over emails, very difficult to persuade. Very difficult, but can't be done, but it's just harder. So you could say, um, they say, I like this ad copy because of X, Y, and Z. And you just simply say, oh, you like it because of X, Y, and Z? And you, you say it as a question, right? As a, as a nice question. You're not being sarcastic. Or you're not being confrontational. You just say, oh, you like it because of X, Y, and Z? And then you shut up. And what are they going to do? They're going to start explaining it. And they're getting it off their chest. They're, they're able to express it to you. And then you just keep doing that until you fully understand where they're coming from. And then you can ask a question that might kind of guide them in the right direction. Like, okay, great. How do you think the ad copy that we need to run for this can achieve X? And it's, a, it's, it's an X that your ad copy achieved and theirs didn't, right? And they say, oh, yeah, it's a good point. Um, Da, 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 da. 
you know? And the thing is, if you do it that way, you're showing them that their ideas are important, that you care about their ideas, that they're good ideas. And then you're, then they're open to talk with you as a member of the same team to figure it out. And I guess that's a, not a short, but a, not as long as it could be answer <laughs> to the question. I, I think that's awesome. And that's something that it, it's one of those ideas that you can say, but it, it's, I feel like it takes a while to sink in and like, let you really figure out all the cases that you can use that. Um, but, but that's not like, that makes sense though, because then you, you boil down what they said to the root of like what they want. And then you find a solution for what they want. And like in, in my example, if my ad copy covered that great, uh, they, they would have talked themselves into liking the ad, my ad copy. But then if it didn't, I could say, Oh, your ad copy covers here and here, but is it okay if I like, I, I can, we could write this and like maybe even offer an improved ad copy that solves what they want. Um, and that way, or, and that way I'm, I'm working with them to make them like find that solution. And I, I probably didn't word it as well as I as it was in my head, but I, I think, yeah, I think that's an, an insightful, insightful advice. Uh, it was, and just curious. So you mentioned the, the book never split the difference. Is that kind of along the, like along the lines of the premise for that book? Uh, like if I were to dig deeper into this idea, would it be covered there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Among other things uh, mm -hmm. that are incredibly practical that seem counterintuitive, but are incredibly practical. Another one would be um, ask questions where you're looking to get a negative response. So for example, you could, you know, you gave the example, you know, you would, might say, you know, would it be okay if we added this to the copy? All right. So that's asking for a positive response. You're hoping they say, yeah, it would be okay. Right. That's positive response. So you could ask it in a negative, hoping for a negative response in this way by saying, would it be a bad idea if we added this to the copy? Right. Would it be a bad idea instead of would it be okay if? Mm -hmm. You do that and mean, so when you say, would it be okay? If people have the, any type of confrontational feeling in them, they're going to feel like they want to say no to that. Cause they're like, Hey, if he, if he, if I say yes, that means he's winning, you know? And, but if you say, would it be a bad idea? First of all, they automatically don't want to make you feel like you have a bad idea. Like no one wants that, but it's going to, so it's going to make them think about it. Right. And if they really think it is a bad idea, usually they'll tell you like, yeah, I do actually think that's a bad idea. Oh, okay. You do think it's a bad idea? Let them respond. But if they actually don't think it's a bad idea, but they just would have said, they would have said no to you because they just didn't want to feel like you were winning and they were losing. Then that gives them their ego and out and it helps them actually think about it instead of, and giving you an honest answer instead of just automatically wanting to have their guard up and say no. That's, 
That is counterintuitive. You're right. Because typically you want people to always be positive. You want that yes out of them. But I guess that makes sense. Uh, It's probably one of those things that you need to learn how to like situationally when to use it. Because if you're always getting negative responses, that's that's not what you want. Well, no, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, you can do it for almost anything. I mean, so for example, let's see, let's say that I'm on a cold call with someone and I'm trying to get an appointment. I've determined, I've asked a couple questions. We I've determined, hey, this is probably worth an appointment. And I get to that point and I say, Okay, great. Well, you know. There's some interesting things you said. Would you mind if we, or you know, let's set up an appointment for X date, right? Let's let's set up an appointment. Well, now they can smell my commission breath, right? I'm trying to get an appointment with them, and they're like, "Uh, even though this guy seems nice and cool and everything, and he seems like he's got some interesting things, uh, I I have a bad impression of salespeople. I'm not interested in being." forced through a horrible presentation again, eh, I don't know if I'm really ready to commit to an appointment, all right? Because they feel on the opposite side of the table for me. Like we are, you know, we are opposing each other. But what if instead I said, hey, would it, would it be a terrible idea if we had a quick visit to see if this is worth, a, you know, continuing the conversation or not? Well, no, they're going to think about it. Would it be terrible? No, I think I could do that. You know, the same guy is now not feeling confrontation with me. He's feeling like he, he, I'm giving him an out. My first line on, on cold calls and some people hate this, but I love the psychology of it and it works for me. My, one of my, my first line, when I talk to the actual decision maker, I say, Hey, my name's Robert Harper with Express." This is actually a sales call, so you can hang up on me right now or roll the dice and give me 45 seconds to hear why I called. (laughs) All right? So what I'm doing is I'm giving them complete control of an out. I'm not trying to back them into a corner where they have to say yes, which is like traditional sales is all about making the question constructed so that if they say no, they sound stupid. Right. Mm -hmm. But people know when you're doing that, they feel icky. Even if they say the answer you want, they're not feeling it. And they're going to look for any opportunity to bail on this relationship as quickly as possible. Right. So it's all about giving them an out, letting them have control. If they really don't want to talk to me, then that's fine. That saves me time of chasing them down and following them up and everything. And it doesn't mean I'll never call them again, but it just means, you know what? They're not ready. It's not the timing. It's fine. You know, but mostly when I say those types of questions, the negative, the the questions that are supposed to get a negative response, people feel comfortable with me and they feel like, okay, if I told him I'm not interested and I'm done, he would let me off the hook. He's not going to just badger me all day and not let me leave, you know? So it's really good. And even when you're at the close, you know, it's like, hey, listen, it sounds like, you're telling me this is that you want to solve these things. If we don't solve them, this is what's going to happen. I mean, would it be a terrible idea if we got this started next week, today, tomorrow? Yeah, whatever you want to say, right? Would it be a terrible idea? 
that doesn't feel bad. So you could really say it at any point. I think any type of question that's geared towards a negative, because, oh, I guess would it be okay? That's not geared towards a negative. But you could answer, you, you could ask a geared towards a negative question there, you know? So I, I don't think there's really any limit to it. Uh, but yeah, I went on a bit of a rant there. Sorry. I'm no, sure we're no, way that was over good. 30 minutes. But uh, uh, <laughs> no, that so. But never yeah, split the difference. You'll you'll hear all about it and much more. I definitely recommend it for anybody who's in business or life, really. But business, sales, anything. Yeah, and just to wrap up real quick, right before we end it, you, you we kept bringing up never split the difference. Other than reading that book, do you have any main tips for people who aren't salespeople but would like to become better salespeople? Uh, whether it be reading a, a book or just something that they can practice real quick each day to to be have those better conversations with people. Yeah. I would say, I mean, if you are in sales or business and there's anything that you're going to be persuading people to do on a regular basis, come up with that sales process. And if it's not a sale call it something else, but a process by which you go through. It doesn't have to be perfect, but if it's organized and it's planned out, it's going to be better than not having one. So do some research on sales process. Figure out what what makes sense for your situation. Read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Uh, that's probably the best starting place for, you know, how to say what to say. And it's it's principles based, so you can you can uh, change it to fit your really any situation, which is really nice. Then the last thing I would say is when you come across a new thing to say, a way to say something, a way to present something, role play it and practice it. If it's just by yourself in, in the mirror. If you want a video, record yourself doing it. If you want to have a friend or family member pretend to be the, the other person and give you feedback, then all those are valid. But role play it, role play it, role play it, and try it in real life. You don't have to be perfect at it before you try it. You're going to sound like an idiot the first billion times you do it. You know, Not that many, but you're going to sound dumb. You're going to feel silly. Yeah, that's okay. That's part of it. So, but the more you practice it, the more you will own it and you'll actually sound like yourself when you say it instead of a robot. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, Bob. I I think that was good advice. That's something that even though I'm not in sales, I that's something that I can apply because I'm working with people and trying to, to help them improve their marketing. And anyone who listen to Hope, even if you're not in sales, I hope you could find some value and find some application into, into whatever you're working on. So thanks for joining me today. And everyone who watched, uh, thanks for joining us.